Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hey, I'm your host, James Bell, and it is my pleasure to share the studio today with Josh Dunce. Josh is the president of Matova, which is a mobile software and user experience agency that builds product services and custom experiences for global brands. The company recently announced its relocation from Franklin, Tennessee to Bentonville, and its new headquarters is going to be in the 230,000 square foot ledger building in Bentonville. Josh is also the co-founder of Stasis, which is a digital health company. So Josh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, glad to have you here. So let's get started. What should the audience know about Josh Dunce? Well, I, I think to, I like to start by describing myself as I came into tech from an unconventional background. Yes. We actually share an alma mater uh, together with the Navy. So I spent 10 years in the Navy Special Operations community, transitioned from service in December of 2019 and did a Skillbridge internship, which is kind of mm -hmm. a new program that's offered by the DOD. And that's how I originally got into tech, did software sales for a couple of years, and then ended up here at Matova. And outside of work, I enjoy um, the beach, surfing, jujitsu, traveling, anything outdoors and, and staying active. So, yeah. Wonderful. Well, you're in a great place for anything outdoors. <laughs> We'll talk about Matova in a moment, but first, will you take a moment to share about Stasis? I guess, you know, what's the problem the company solves? Who do they solve it for? And how do you do it? Yeah. So Stasis was originally formed when I was getting out of the military um, and I was just looking for more holistic ways to deal with stress and anxiety and, you know, more common mental health problems that people deal with when getting out of the military. Mm -hmm. Our mission is to basically help people balance their nervous systems and get out of that fight or flight mode. We do that through biofeedback. So we can accurately measure uh, people's heart rate variability, which is a really good indicator of where your nervous system is in any given time with your camera phone. So kind of some new technology that's recently come out. And then we have users go through prescribed breathing protocols specifically to de design to get you in a more calm, restful state. Well, that's really cool. So how, how did you and your co-founders, I mean, I guess sounds like it comes from experience. Why did y'all create Stasis? Yeah, because we were constantly finding ourselves in very high stress situations um, and always looking for like new ways that were non-conventional, I guess, from like a pharma pharmacological means, non-invasive, like non-drug you know drug options to, to be able to calm down. And like meditation is a great option but not everyone gets meditation, I guess, mm -hmm. or it's, it's hard for them sometimes. So we found that like by simply kind of altering your breathing patterns, you could get the same benefits um, as traditional meditation. And 
it's much, much more accessible to a lot of people. Yeah, you bet. Okay, well, let's talk about Matova. First of all, welcome to Bentonville. Congratulations on your uh, relocation. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it was, uh, I guess, the, the town has exceeded my expectations from what I originally had in my mind when I first heard of Bentonville, Arkansas. So it's been, it's been good. <laughs> Great. Well, remind me and we'll come back to that for sure. Will you share about Matova and the services that the company offers? Yeah. So we do everything digital transformation. So, you know, basically if a startup or company has an idea, we can build that idea and put it into production and life and then maintain that for however long they see fit. So really anything that, you know, a startup or, or even a mature company could think up, we can typically build it. Cool. What industries do you focus on, if any, and what does an ideal customer look like? Yeah. Um, so kind of, I would say our ideal customer typically fills two different buckets. One is like an early stage startup that has received some sort of venture capital or is funded. Um, they're looking to build their initial MVP um, and kind of, you know, get that to market as fast as possible mm -hmm. and get some early traction to then go raise their next big round of fundraising and continue to work on product development. And then a lot of our customers are, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 500 companies or, or bigger companies that are either supplementing their engineering team or sometimes doing a special project where maybe their engineers don't have that specific expertise mm -hmm. or coding skills. Um, and we can kind of fill that gap. So those are typically two of the types of customers we work with. Lately, we've done a lot of projects with, you know, digital health and kind of healthcare companies, fintech, B2B SaaS products, some entertainment apps. We, Sirius XM has been a longtime customer of ours. So pretty much, you know, we've touched a lot of different um, verticals and industries. There's no one thing that I would say, like we go after. We're kind of opening to, to any types of projects. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of our developers like working for Matova because they get to see so many different things. And it's not like they're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it sounds pretty exciting. Um, I think I would get pretty bored if I was working on the same projects, essentially, yeah. over and over. How does Matova differ from other software development companies? Yeah, from what I've seen uh, since my time at Matova and just kind of seeing other digital agencies out there, it's really our leadership team that's in place. So everyone on our kind of senior leadership team has built products themselves, has done startups themselves, has exited startups. So they really are subject matter you know, experts when it comes to how do I take an idea, build a product, and then take that product to market and scale it which is quite different than your typical dev shop where it's maybe, you know, one person is kind of the leader mm -hmm. and the rest they're outsourcing development. And they're really good at taking maybe a flushed out idea and kind of just coding that. We do a ton of work and kind of discovery on the front end with most of our customers where, you know, we're really diving deep into what is the persona of your ideal customers. You know, how, if, if you don't have those, can we help you build those? Really spending a lot of time like on the strategy side to make sure that once we start actually coding, we're, we're building the right product, you know, where a lot of customers come to us where they've had work with other agencies and they just made a lot of mistakes and didn't mm -hmm. build the right product on the front end. So we want to make sure that once we actually start coding, 
we're, we're coding the right stuff, you know, that is actually going to be used and useful for your customers or internal business operations too. Excellent. That, that's really good. I, I appreciate that. I've actually said on the other side of something being developed before and, and when you don't get a lot of, uh, I, I guess, guidance, it really makes it hard to tell folks what you want. And in <laughs> fact, right now, working alongside Dave Creek Media to rebuild or redo our economic development website, and they've been very helpful in helping yeah. us figure out you know, here's the next things that you need to provide to us. We need to know about your buyer personas. Here's the very specific questions right. to uh, help you get there. And man, I, I can't <laughs> imagine doing that without that help. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of our, our customers or kind of what we're, who we're looking to work with are, you know, startups that have non-technical founders on their team mm -hmm. or are building a product or company where technology isn't at the core of what they're doing. It's typically enabling what they're doing. Sure. So, you know, these are people that don't have a lot of technical expertise on how do I build a product? They typically have the idea and the vision and maybe the go-to-market or kind of sales strategy, but that's what they're missing. So that's where we can kind of really step in and add a lot of value and really be their technical expert from idea to launch. And then, you know, for years at a time and kind of be their go-to technical ex experts. And a lot of the customers we have, we end up working with them for long-term, you know? So it's mm -hmm. not like we're just coming in, building a product and then leaving. It's like we, they're kind of outsourcing their technology team to Matova. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you discuss any uh, trends or emerging technologies and how Matova is helping their customers stay ahead of the curve? Yeah, so I mean, one of the recent ones that's probably on everyone's mind is chat GPT. Um, so there's a lot of interesting internal discussions going on, not only of how we can utilize that software and mm -hmm. AI within our own internal operations, we are already incorporating a lot of it into our sales process. So, you know, helping us build email templates for different customer profiles, you know, going after different kind of ICPs, um, different vertical markets, and really honing in on certain messaging that's going to hit different personas. Um, and it takes a lot of the kind of the manual work out of it for our, our sales professionals. And then they can come in and kind of add their, you know, customizing it a little bit more, but it provides a really good template to start off from. Um, and then obviously, uh, there's a lot of just endless opportunities from the customer side of how they can kind of optimize uh, the user experience and customer experience by starting to utilize some of that software. The other actually interesting thing, and I just recently had some conversations with our CTO about this, is we're actually seeing a big trend pulling away from actually like native iOS and Android development and going to more hybrid solutions. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was the exact opposite. Everyone wanted an iOS or kind of a native app. And now we're seeing the trend kind of move away from that where something's, you know, more progressive web enablement or mm -hmm. unless you have really key features that you have to use a native app for. Um, a lot of companies are going away from that. So that's something we're starting to see push a little bit more and um, causing us to, you know, make some kind of strategy changes based off of that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I am so glad to see that direction myself, because if I get one more thing where I have to add an app to my phone, <laughs> I, I'm just going to scream. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I totally uh, get it. <laughs> yeah, it's it just doesn't work and keeps sucking up my memory. Will you share an example of a project that Matova has worked on, perhaps one that you're especially proud of where uh, you help the client? I mean, one that I think hits home close to me is we're actively working on a project for the VA on a mm -hmm. like a PTSD specific app. 
Very um, nice. It's been a project that's been going on for a couple of years. So it was already in the works before I even joined the team at Matova. But that's obviously like great to see. It's great to be a part of, uh, you know, a team that's working on that project and just seeing the impact that I know it will have on mm -hmm. both active duty service members and veterans is, is super cool to be a part of that. Lovely. I like that. Let's talk about your relocation. What prompted Matova to relocate its headquarters to Bentonville? And what do you see as the value that Bentonville provides to Matova? Yeah, so a couple key factors, I think, went into that decision. When I was just brought on earlier this year, our CEO, Josh Smith, had recently reacquired the company from mm -hmm. private equity and kind of took Matova private again. Previously, they had been headquartered, like you said, in Nashville. So that was kind of one of the reasons Josh Smith relocated here and has kind of like grown up around this area and has a lot of key, you know, contacts and networking opportunities here. So that was one big, big area. And then the second was we have a lot of um, strategic initiatives specifically around breaking into more of the CPG type companies, going after, to, mm -hmm. you know, some key Fortune 100 companies that are located here in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas area. So that was probably the second um, big pillar of the push to, to relocate and kind of have the headquarters here. Now, most of our senior leadership team is located here uh, full-time in Bentonville or at least part-time where this mm -hmm. is one of the locations where they have a residence. So that is, you know, something that also went into that decision and we're going to continue to probably have more full-time um, staff members for Matova here in the area. And the, uh, That's great. And you couldn't have spotted up in a cooler building. I mean, if you want... The newest, neatest building in town, obviously, the Ledger building is, is the world's first bikeable building. Unlike anything I think anybody, most anybody has ever been in in terms of a, a, an office building anywhere in the world. And a shameless plug had uh, Josh Calls, the developer of the building, and uh, Mary Best, who's the uh, director of operations and community for Ledger on this podcast uh, a few months ago. And it really is a fascinating interview. Didn't think that... Uh, I would ever do an interview about a building and be just so fascinated by, <laughs> by every facet of that building. Uh, okay, shameless plug aside, uh, you mentioned hiring. Will you talk about hiring? What's the strategy going forward? Are all your employees going to be here or remote, hybrid? What are, your, what are your plans? Yeah, so I think Matova will always be kind of a remote first company for, for most of our employees. I would say, again, for most of our senior leadership team, they will be here located in Bentonville or at least spend a large amount of their time here in Bentonville. So kind of a hybrid situation. And then moving forward, we have a couple key hires that we'll want to make that will be specifically located here in Bentonville. As far as our developing team, I think they will always probably stay remote first. We would obviously love to build mm -hmm. up our, our team in person here in Bentonville moving forward if we can find and attract the right type of talent yeah. here. But so yeah, I guess to answer your question, it will be a mixture of both remote first, hybrid, and then a lot, a lot of our leadership team is in person here in Bentonville. Well, that makes sense. And it's almost like you read my mind. I have a question about a role that you just posted uh, to your LinkedIn recently, your director of strategic portfolios. That position, of course, is based here in Bentonville. The pay and benefits look stellar <laughs> to me. The job looks interesting as well. Would you like to take a moment and talk about that role and what it entails, what you're looking for, what your new employee can expect, and of course, how may candidates apply? Yeah, 
for sure. Yeah. So that, that will be um, required to be in person here in Bentonville, basically an enter- enterprise sales role, right? So that person will be solely responsible for going out and finding new clients within, you know, kind of the Fortune 100, Fortune 500, specifically located here in Bentonville. So we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, Walmart, Tyson, JB Hunt, those types of companies. And they will operate autonomously from our other sales team, you know, that goes after kind of more of the commercial accounts. So they will, again, you know, we're looking for someone that ideally, well, they, they should, and they probably will have to have um, a network within some of those top, you know, three or four tier accounts that they're going to plan to go after, um, after starting the position ideally have a background in, you know, consulting, uh, enterprise level sales. But I think what's more important to me for that role is they should have a pretty deep understanding of product and and Mm -hmm. technical expertise. So, you know, we envision this person being able to go into a room with some, you know, executive level, level leadership at some of these companies and really take maybe some of their vision from a product or ideas measures or be able to kind of pitch them hey, we see you guys are doing X, Y, Z with your software. Here's kind of where we envision Matova stepping in, being able to really add a lot of value or kind of change things up to make either their employees experience better at those companies or obviously the customer experience better too. Cool. Well, I mean, talk about a great place to do that in because we not only have, you know, Fortune One here, but then we have Walmart and we also have, of course, J.B. Hunt and and Tyson as our neighbors, so two other Fortune 500s. But you know, what a lot of folks outside of Bentonville may not realize is there's these 1,400 vendors to Walmart. Right. Walk into the store, <laughs> you know, pick up any brand off the shelf, and they probably have some sort of presence here. Yeah. And the cool part is they usually have executive decision makers. Let me try this again. Decision-making executives, it would be almost impossible to serve Walmart without having decision-making executives locally. And then add to that their source support staff and sales and marketing and so on. And so while those may not be the headquarters of those companies, you've got folks who can make right. decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the support network for the vendors here as well. And, and uh, last count, there were about 1,400 vendors across a couple of counties. And then about 400 of the Fortune 500 have some sort of presence here. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I got to believe being here is a real advantage for that person, even if the people they need to meet with exactly aren't necessarily here. Talk about shortcutting the yeah. the process. Yeah, exactly. You know, that role obviously is going to require a lot of relationship building mm-hmm. and networking. And so that's why we're pretty adamant on that person being here because a lot of that stuff is going to happen in person in the local area. Yeah, you bet. Well, I have to ask, what's the culture like at Matova? I know you're a, a veteran own business. So how does that influence your culture and what can your employees expect? Yeah. I think, you know, Josh Smith, the CEO has done a great job of instilling a lot of the values that he probably learned during his military days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of our our core values are integrity, you know, doing the right thing when, when no one's looking. That's obviously so important just because most of our business is built with time and material from developers. So, you know, accurate and and being honest with your work is a a huge thing just for our employees, but also our customers, obviously, too. And then, you know, I've come in and kind of really wanted to make some changes in like some of the values and the culture and really 
come to it with a leadership perspective around open communication and transparency. So I have, you know, an open door policy for all of Mm -hmm. my employees. And so does Josh Smith. And really just trying to instill that from the bottom of the totem pole all the way up. Um, We're open to free flowing ideas and recommendations of how things could be done differently or, 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 or better or optimized. So we have a great culture, you know, and we try to do instill as many like in-person type culture things as we can, obviously in a remote environment. We do try to get some team members together in person as often as we can. Um, Like I said, there's a lot of people actually here local in the Bentonville area, which has been great. And then I know we have some things in the works later this year to kind of, you know, instill that that team and camaraderie across the the company as well. Cool. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, a couple of organizations that you all to connect with uh, as you bring team members here and so on and things that you might want to do. Um, 37 North Expeditions is one okay. that might be interesting to y'all to uh, check out. They do a fair amount of uh, corporate stuff as well as direct consumer facing for sort of short expedition trips okay. and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so that sounds awesome. I could do some really interesting uh, yeah, yeah. team building with that. How do you see Matova evolving over the next few years? And also, how do you see the company as a corporate citizen here in Bentonville sort of helping build and grow this place? Mm. So for that, we are heavily involved with like some local universities for recruiting measures. We do a lot of sponsorships for, you know, hackathons and coding events and are hosting interns all the time from some of the local universities. So we do put a lot back into the technical community here for sure and try and do keep people local here to work with Matova or if they obviously want to work remote. That's one of the ways I think this year we have a lot of things in mind as far as how can we get more involved in the local community and really build kind of that brand presence around Matova here. I think that'll play a lot into the strategy of trying to get some of these, you know, bigger accounts and kind of really get our name out there within the community and kind of showcase what our skills and what we can do is. And then I'm, I forget the first question you asked. Sorry. Oh, I was, I was just asking uh, how you see Matova evolving over oh, the next few years. Yeah. So we have a lot of new strategies this year that we're doing. So a couple of those I, we already talked about already kind of getting into the CPG market and some mm-hmm. of these bigger accounts, some other kind of strategic partnerships that we're trying to work on are, you know, becoming the technology partners of some larger venture capital firms, right? Mm-hmm. Where, so they're, constantly have a a pipeline of new companies coming to them that are, you know, raising money to try to build products. So we would love to be that person that can quickly and more cheaply or cost effectively develop those MVPs and get them to market. That way they can kind of iterate and get customer feedback uh, much more quickly than maybe hiring their own engineering team Mm -hmm. that doesn't have, you know, the expertise or kind of skills necessary to build the product fast. So that's something we're exploring. We hope to get in line. And we know that there's some in-house people here, even in the ledger that we're starting to have some conversations with. So yeah, there's a lot of um, kind of those bigger initiatives that are being put into place right now that we know are going to take a couple quarters, if not a year to really Mm -hmm. come to fruition. So those are some of the things that are on the mind this year for 2023. Yeah, that's neat. I like it. You talked earlier about why Bendeville for Matova what would you say to leaders of other companies that are considering a presence in the middle of the U.S. or specifically here uh, in Bentonville about why Bentonville is a place they ought to consider? 
Yeah, I think the um, the atmosphere and the people have just been amazing since since my time here. It's it's cool to see such a diverse group of people have relocated here from all over the country and the coasts. So it's I, I think that's kind of what you need to build really cool, interesting companies, diverse thoughts, and you know people from different places. I saw that a lot, obviously, in the military. It's probably one of the most diverse, diverse, if not the most um, organization in the world. Mm-hmm. That's how you build really high-performance teams, in my opinion. So I think this is a great place to kind of come in early on still. I'm sure they've seen, you've got, seen a lot of growth since the pandemic, but mm-hmm. I would say we're still kind of in the infancy of what Bentonville can become in the next, you know, five or 10 years. So it seems like a great time to uh, get your foot in the community here. Yeah, I feel very excited about the next few years. You know, in the next five years, more will happen here than probably happened in the last 10 to 15, which is just mind-blowing <laughs> to think about. And personally, how do you see Bentonville contributing to your growth and development? Yeah, um, I think it's, like I said, goes back to the people, I think. So a lot of opportunities here um, within the technology industry, a lot of capital relocating to this area. I know actually last time we talked, we talked about some specific founders that had recently relocated Mm -hmm. here. So I just see the opportunities for networking and kind of business continuing to grow here. I assume there will be a lot more technical talent that will relocate here mm-hmm. just with the cost of living and, you know, the housing market compared to other coastal cities around the U.S. Again, so I think it's just the right time to, you know, if you're considering this area to come visit and check it out. And um, I think you'll be thoroughly enjoyed with what you find. Yeah. And that, that's everything you described is exactly what we're seeing happening here. It's really fascinating to watch it play out and be just that tiny little bit of, of being part of building it. So Josh, you have this really interesting background. I'd love to talk more about, more about in a mom, about Bentonville in a moment, but let's start with this. What are a few things that you've learned from, and I made myself some notes here that you learned from different career paths that you mentioned earlier that have included EOD explosive ordnance disposal in the in Naval special operations to being a sales manager to co-founding a digital health company, now to leading uh, Matova. What are, I guess, what are some things that you've learned? Yeah, I've definitely learned a lot about resilience. I think that's a kind of a key trait that most humans might be lacking a little bit in, Mm -hmm. that you definitely see some of the high performers or, or most successful people, depending on how you find that, that have. So really used to, you know, again, operating and just, high stress environments and, you know, being able to kind of break through some of those moments. That's been, I think, tremendously helpful in in my life and career um, from a professional standpoint. The other thing is, I think it goes back to, I've said this a few times now, it's, it's people, right? So just with all the different things that I've done in life, the, the common trait is being able to kind of adapt to the environment that I'm in, being able to communicate with different types of people, and being able to kind of reinvent yourself depending on the scenario or environment or thing that you're trying to do. A lot of people see that maybe as like a weakness or they, they think, you know, moving around a lot, doing a lot of different things can be detrimental to your career. And I actually think it's the exact opposite. I think, you know, you build resilience, you, you learn a lot of different types of knowledge in different industries or different career paths. 
Um, and you can typically take at least one or two nuggets from each one of those things that will make you better at whatever you choose to do next. Yeah, I mean, I think there used to be a time where you're exactly right. People until very recently <laughs> thought that, right, that that was a weakness. And I think we're starting to see people recognize more and more that it is anything but, that it's exactly the opposite. The world is changing so fast that, you know, entire jobs are being wiped off the planet and new ones created right in front of us uh, right now that you can't do anything but be those things if yeah. you want to be successful. Yeah, you have to be adaptable, adapt, you know, you have to have that ability to adapt to new situations and new environments constantly in the world today. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, if, if I'm a, a college student or somebody else sitting out there, the two words of the day here are adaptability <laughs> and reinvention. Those, yeah. those are t two like things it. that are going to get you through the next five years and the next 30 years mm -hmm. and, and beyond. So you have some really interesting hobbies <laughs> and talents. Here's what I learned. You're an ultra marathoner, but you're also, let me see if I can pronounce this right, a didgeridoo player. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that twice. Uh, will you explain what that is and how it came about that you learned to play it and how playing, I will say it again, the didgeridoo became a hobby. Didgeridoo, yeah. I'll, I'll be um, cautious to call myself a player of the didgeridoo. I, I, okay. I try to dabble in it a little bit. But yeah, it's a indigenous um, wind instrument, basically. And how I got into it is because I, I became super into like the breath work and the breathing stuff. And it's uh -huh. a way to, you know, really hone in on those type of skills to be able to play the instrument really well. You have to do something called circle breathing, which is basically you're, you're exhaling through your mouth at the same time that you're inhaling through your nose. So it's kind of an interesting trick to be, but it's the same skill that people that like play the saxophone or any other wind mm -hmm. instrument are able to constantly play without like pauses and taking a big breath is they're constantly breathing in through their nose as they're exhaling through their mouth. So I kind of originally got into that. Uh, I had saw it be played when I was in Mexico by someone and, you know, kind of, I really liked the sound. It sounded cool. So I came home, did some research on YouTube and found out how much like breath control and using your diaphragm and all mm -hmm. these different things that I was personally into from like a performance and ultra marathon standpoint. So I thought it would be just a cool hobby to get into and then also give me some like performance benefits out of it too. Yeah. I mean, see if, if you're in the band, yeah. <laughs> it turns out <laughs> this is, uh, this actually will enhance your athletic performance exactly. yeah. um, as a, as a former, I'll call it former because I haven't played in a long time trombone player. I very much appreciate this <laughs> and had really kind of forgotten about the concept of circle breathing. Yeah. So any other hobbies that you're getting into? Are, you're in Bentonville. Have you started mountain biking yet? Uh, I have. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so got into that a little. This year, my new kind of like obsession has been Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. Um, so I did train a little bit in that while I was in the military, but that's become kind of a new obsession of mine that I do pretty regularly. And then other than that, that's kind of like the big push this year. I'm still doing some running. So I have a, a race coming up in December later this year, a hundred miles. Wow. Um, that'll be down in uh, Daytona, Florida. And then other than that, just training jujitsu pretty much every day. Awesome. Well, you're in a great, great place to run yeah. as well. I mean, we've got so many trails that you can run on, but, uh, you know, folks may 
for folks who aren't familiar with this area or our great university, the University of Arkansas here, you know, arguably the University of Arkansas perhaps has one of the greatest, if not the greatest sports dynasty collegiately that's ever existed in the, the track team. They have, they're closing on yeah. 50 national titles that's in crazy. track and field. Yeah. So, uh, and this is where they train this area. Let's come back to Bentonville, but I want to, and then we'll pivot after uh, this question. I know you've been here a relatively short period, but will you share a, I'll call this a hashtag because Bentonville story. That's a moment in time or a full-fledged story of something that happened where you looked at it and you thought, you know, that could only happen here, or maybe it describes the essence of this place. I think what comes to mind originally is actually the first time that I came here, Mm -hmm. uh, landed into the airport and got in my Uber and we started driving here. And, you know, all I saw was nothingness. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, what did I get myself into? You know, because um, I, I came on that, that first work trip. I hadn't really done any research into the area. Um, I'd heard great things from other Matova employees that have been here. So I kind of trusted them. And then sure. making that drive again with the Uber driver and kind of just seeing, you know, nothing but land. And I was like, I don't what What is everyone talking about? I don't know if I'm, if I'm buying it, you know. And then we show up to kind of the square area and I was like, it was kind of like this diamond in the rough, right? Uh-huh. And then I spent that week, that first week here and just had an amazing time. The, the weather was a little, you know, crummy. Uh-huh. It was in January, so winter. But the again, the food, we had, I think I had every different type of cuisine there could be. And it was all five stars. Um, like I said, the people were amazing. So it was just against when I first heard Bentonville, Arkansas, I was like, I'm going to Arkansas. What? You know, it's like, I think a lot of people probably have uh, misconceptions around what this place is. And then you get here and it kind of totally exceeds your expectations. So that was definitely what I experienced the first time here. And it's been great ever since. <laughs> yeah, you bet. I feel like folks get here and, and at every corner, there's something unexpected. And, and uh, yeah, it is definitely different than something you might expect to get yeah, into. Yeah. <laughs> okay, an important question, Josh. If somebody wants to reach you or learn more about Matova or even Stasis or the didgeridoo, <laughs> how do they do that? Well, matova.com is super easy to get in touch um, with the company or learn more about other positions. We're, hi- we're actively hiring for other positions too, other developer mm-hmm. positions besides the strategic director role. So definitely check out our job listing there. If they want to find me, probably best way would be on LinkedIn forward slash Josh Dunce. Pretty easy there. Would love to hear from people or if they're interested in learning more about some of the positions we're hiring for, they can definitely hit me up directly and I'd love to chat with them. Very cool. Okay. A few quick random questions. What's the craziest thing you've ever done that you can talk about? (laughs) Oh man, probably skydive. So I was at an advanced skydiving school when I was in the military and I did a nighttime jump with a, we call it like a wall locker jump. Oh yeah. So it's all of your equipment. So full combat equipment, rucksack, oxygen, night vision goggles, uh, weapon. And that was at, and it was a hey-ho jump. So we jumped out at 25,000 feet and it took us about 45 minutes, I think, to um, get to our target. It was for like a training exercise. So it was in Arizona, but that was probably one of the coolest, craziest things I've ever done with like a stack of 30. There was like 30 of us, I think. 
And I just remember like sitting at the back of the the C-130 and like the ramp goes down and mm-hmm. it's like midnight and you all you see is just black, you know? And it's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was pretty cool. That's pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> if, if you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably a bacon, egg and cheese breakfast sandwich. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with yeah. that choice at all. I, I'm right there with you. If your life were a movie, what would the title be? Adapt or Die. Ooh, sweet title. I, I, can, I can see that. All right, next to last question. Josh, considering the uh, pivots that you've made in your professional career and, and surely the very interesting circumstances you found yourself in serving our nation, what would you say to others? And I, I guess you kind of talked about this earlier, but maybe you have something more to add about being willing to consider new, interesting opportunities, even in the face of Mm. significant risk. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they're on their deathbed, regret a lot of things that they didn't do. And I don't want to be that person. So I've always kind of followed my dreams, I guess, and kind of gone down the path of, of doing things that I wanted to do, even if they were risky or had a large likelihood of failing. Mm-hmm. Personally, I've always learned the most from my failures and I don't really consider them failures. I think they're just learning experiences. And I think too many people are uh, very cautious and conservative when it comes to doing things in life that they are interested in or intrigued in, but are scared to do. Um, so I would tell people to, to go scratch that itch. <laughs> awesome. Uh- such a solid answer. I'm not going to even try to add anything <laughs> to that. Last question. What's something I did not ask you that I should have asked? Um, you should have asked me, I guess, more about maybe uh, something interesting for the audience would be um, how to break into tech from a, a non-traditional background. That's a great question. How should, How can the uh, members of the audience break into tech without a traditional background. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, luckily for veterans specifically, there's a lot of organizations out there that can help you do that. One of my previous, my previous company, shift.org is a, is a great company that's doing that. But I think the key thing to breaking into technology from an unconventional background is you have to really do a lot of networking. So your resume is probably going to look a lot different from Mm -hmm. most other people that are applying for the same job. So to stand out in that crowd, you're going to have to have someone within the company that's going to, you know, take your resume and go put it on the hiring manager's desk or be that person that's going to, you know, put that employee referral in for you. I know all of the opportunities that I've had in my professional career outside of the military have all come from my network and building those people relationships and spending the time, you know, putting the effort into to building that network. So I think really that's probably one of your only ways that you're going to be super successful to be able to do that. So I would say, yeah, really put the time and effort into getting out of your comfort zone, going to networking events, um, you know, hitting people up on LinkedIn, trying to understand what soft skills that you can bring to the table, mm-hmm. because that's probably going to be the thing that if you can get, you know, your foot in the door and get the interview, that's what's really going to stand out probably. You're probably not going to have a lot of the technical skills, but they're going to maybe like you or take a chance of you because you're going to be able to kind of tell your story and, and really highlight those soft skills. And that's what's going to get you um, that opportunity. 
You know, that's a solid answer. And, and again, I mentioned earlier, you know, folks in college or, or, or earlier, this is go back and replay that last minute <laughs> over and over again, because you're spot on. I hear folks say all the time, well, how can I get experience if I don't have experience and they demand experience? Well, there's your answer, right? You, you need to have those soft skills, or I like to call them essential skills. And my goodness, I don't, there's not a single job on my resume that I got from just applying for the job. Yeah. It was network every uh, single time. Yeah. You know, the, the, these are people that are making decisions That's that right. are going to be working with you every day. So they want to hire someone that they're going to enjoy being around, you know, unless we're talking about a very technical role, yeah. um, which technology is eating up a lot of those things. You know, it's even more important now and will be 10 years from now to have those soft skills, have good communication skills, written, verbal, being able to communicate with people different, you know, mm -hmm. up and down the, the chain of command per se. So those are the things that a lot of people don't put any time and effort into building. And I think that are the most important things in today's economy. Yeah. It, I heard one that I thought was really next level uh, the other day. This, uh, I was talking with this guy about, the, he asked the question, how do I get experience if I, I don't have experience? And he was trying different ways. And he, of course, was networking in some places that he was interested in. He had not built a connection and in, in a connection into there yet. And so he basically showed up on the doorsteps of these places and said, hey, I applied for a job, but my resume is not going to make it through your process to your desk. Let me explain why. Now, let me explain why you should hire me. Love that. Yeah, he had not had success with it yet. <laughs> and, I, and I absolutely believe the key word there is, is yet. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, Josh, thank you for uh, spending time with me and with our Bentonville Beacon audience today. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy that Matova has come here and uh, I, I guess belated welcome home. Yeah, thank you, James. I appreciate you having me on today. Anytime. Well, look forward to learning more from you uh, as I have today and before and, and our continued conversations too. Hey, thanks to our Bentonville Beacon audience. Please keep coming back for more. This would be a good opportunity if you'd like to send me an email. Letter, first letter J, last name Bell, B-E-L-L. -L at greaterbentonville.com to share your thoughts on the show and who else should be on it and what's going well and what you've liked so far, especially the episodes you've liked so far. And also take a moment to share it on social media or however you'd like. Keep coming back for more at bentonvillebeacon.com to see all of our episodes and also check it out on your favorite podcast player. So keep coming back for more to hear more about Bentonville and the leaders sparking the rise of this place, a place where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week.